Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. However far along you are today, you're not done yet. And that's, I'm excited about that. You know, at the place I'm at today, I'm not where I used to be, and but I'm not what I'm going to be either. So it leaves me in a place of saying, God, just more and more and more and more of you. I'm not done yet. And I'm glad. I mean, what if I, if I were done? It'd be like, I'm done. I'm, I'm the best I'm ever going to be right now. That would be sad. <laughs> I'd be like, that's it? That's the best I'm going to be? You know, every other facet of life, you can hit a, you can hit a, 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 like a top. You know, you take an athlete, the best of the best of the best. At some age, at some point, that's the best you'll ever be. Have you ever felt like you've arrived or that you're content with where you are in your faith? Well, in today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you to constantly be seeking the Lord and growing in your relationship with Him. Ask questions, read, and listen for God's voice. A stagnant relationship with the Lord is not one that seeks Him daily. There will always be ways for you to grow and learn, no matter your age. Will you continue to seek Him as you learn and grow closer to God? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. So we need the new covenant. I don't want the old covenant. I want the new. I want Jesus. And so Paul says he makes us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And that's the difference. The work of the Holy Spirit comes to bring life. Uh, he brings us into a relationship with the living God. He, he brings life to us. Even, even, even the how-to and the, the ability to live the Christian life comes via the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 7. But if the ministry of death, speaking of the, the law, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, says, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious. But you guys remember when Moses uh, was given the law in the Old Testament, Moses had an intimate relationship with the Lord. The Bible says he was a friend of God and God would speak to him directly. He had an awesome, he said, God, I want to see you. Who wouldn't want to see me? If God was talking to me and, you know, giving me tablets that he wrote with his own finger, I'd be like, I don't want to see you. Can I see you? Let me see you. I want to see you one time. You know, Moses said, God, I want to see you. God said, well, you can't see me and live. So this is what I'm going to do. I want you to get into the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to pass by and you're going to see my afterglow. So Moses got, that's what he got. He got in the cleft of the rock and God went by and he saw the afterglow of God. And it says after he saw it, his face shone. His face was illuminated and it shone. And so there was a veil on him. Some people think the veil was put on so that people couldn't see that he was glowing. But the veil was there because that, that, that shine, that glow, that glow, it was, it was fading. That, that veil was put there so they couldn't see the fading nature of the glow. And as glorious as that moment was, it was passing. It wasn't going to continue. Um, just like the law had its purpose, but it would be something that would pass away. The work of the spirit is not like that. We'll see as we get to the end of the chapter that God wants us to go from glory to even greater glory. That the work of the Holy Spirit is a, a continual transformation of a life. It never stops. It never ends. However far along you are today, you're not done yet. And that's, I'm excited about that. You know, as the place I'm at today, I'm not where I used to be, and but I'm not what I'm going to be either. So it leaves me in a place of saying, God, just more and more and more and more of you. I'm not done yet. And I'm glad. I mean, what if I, if I were done? It'd be like, I'm done. I'm, I'm the best I'm ever going to be right now. That would be sad. <laughs> I'd be like, that's it? That's the best I'm going to be? You know, every other facet of life, you can hit a, you can hit a, 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 like a top. You know, you take an athlete, the best of the best of the best. At some age, at some point, that's the best you'll ever be. From here, it's going to be on a decline. 
Um, you look at uh, Kobe Bryant was one of my favorite guys, and he went like this, 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 and he was a great basketball player, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. But there was a point at which that you'll never that's just, you'll never be that great again. It's going to decline from here. The best it'll ever be. It's over, right? That happens with life. That happens. That happens with everything except spiritual life, yeah. right? For the for the person in the Lord, you could be ninety nine going on a hundred, and, and and it's getting greater. You're more like him now than you've ever been in your life. Just there's more that you know. There's more that you. It, it doesn't end until we go to be with him. And so for the spirit life, God's like this. This is this is great. This never ends. It never gets dull. It never runs out. Keep going with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Verse eight. So he asked a question in verse eight. How will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? If if that ministry of the law had its glory, but it was a fading glory. He said, how will the ministry of the spirit be less than that? It's going to be greater. Verse nine, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, then the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. And again, he keeps comparing the Old Testament with the New Testament, that what God is doing now, it excels, it exceeds, it's beyond what he had done. So why would anybody go back? Why are they being tempted to go back to this thing where God said, what I'm doing now is greater? We've excelled this. We've exceeded this. What we're doing now is better than that. Why would you go back to that? What's the draw? And again, we have to ask the same questions today. Like, what would be the draw? What's the draw to the cults? What's the draw to religious groups? And as I interact with people that have been wrapped up in them and called in them, sometimes it's just deception. Sometimes people just don't know any better. Um, But there are times I've witnessed where people that were part of what I call wacky church, uh, anybody here that's ever been in an unbiblical church setting or you've been in a thing where you realize at a point in time, I've been had. <laughs> I've been, I mean, I thought this is the way it was supposed to be. I trusted these people. I, I did all the stuff they said do. And by golly, it's, I've been had. I was at wacky church. I mean, you, you sometimes it's so discouraging when you come out of that, that, that people are so cautious that cults kind of, it actually leaves room for the cults and the uber religious groups because something feels safer about doing nothing feels a little holier because I know that was wrong and we did everything over there. Um, and it leaves people in this imbalance. And so that's what's so bad about false churches and cults and groups. And that's why, as Pastor Clint said earlier, we're always encouraging people to be, we go through the Bible every year. I, I hope you guys will gear up and plan for, you know, New Year falls on a Sunday. We're gonna kick it off that Sunday morning, but that you'll plan to go through the Bible with us this year. Make it your, your habit every year. I do it every year. And it's, it's, this book is never going to get old. It's a living word of God. It's transforming me again this year. I'm going to do it again this upcoming year. And I, I know God's going to continue to speak. It's living. Now, it's not like a novel. I already know that. I don't already. I don't know enough of this. It's still getting sewn and I forgot more than I remember still. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a continual thing. Please do that with us for your own benefit. Because something happens when you go through a whole book. Once, once you, even like we teach through the whole book, right? When you get done with a whole book, you know the book. I know the context. I know the theme. I know the author. I know the, the people. I know, the, I know what God was saying. I know what that verse meant. And if somebody take that verse out of context and say this, you're going to be like, no, it don't. <laughs> How you know that? Because I've been through the whole book. You can't tell me that. You know, it's like if, if, if I write my, life, my wife a three-page letter, and in the middle of page two, I say some real juicy stuff, you know, but it has to be read in context. You can't take... You know, juicy, juicy sentence on page two at the bottom. I mean, you got to read the whole thing to understand where was you going with that comment you made? You know, what, what was that? You have to read the whole thing. Bible is much like that. Most of the New Testament are epistles, letters. They were written as letters to be read in their entirety. That's the letter we're reading right now is meant to be read all the way through. So I'll be going all the way through it. So that's for our benefit, right? Because 
cults and religious groups, they do prey on. And I think it leaves people open, people that have been wrapped up in some of those things. They become very untrusting and maybe overly cautious. And so one way that you defend against that is being in the word on your own. Because there's some things that you just read through a book. It's like, I would never come to that conclusion just reading my Bible. Somebody have to tell me that. And you, you, should, you should be aware. And so moving on, he says for verse 12. Therefore, so because of what we just looked at, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. And Paul says here, look, because of the great hope that we have, right? Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in what he's done. You know, because they were, they were saying Paul is so bold. And one of the accusations against Paul is that he was so bold in speech. But then when he would come in, 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 pre, you know, in his writings, your, your writings are so bold. But then when he would come in person, he was a lot milder and meeker. So some of that was Paul saying, I'm getting all the junk out in this letter so y'all can get it together. So I want to I want to come and just love on y'all. I don't want to have to come with a rebuke. And he said that earlier. Why he didn't go back the second time? He said, because I, I didn't want to go back until things were right. And so but that was one of the accusations. You write all big and bold. Well, Paul says, man, one of the reasons why we, we have such we, we, um, we're so bold in our speech is we have we have we have we have a great hope. And this just reminds I read this and was just looking at it. It. I think for believers that have the hope that we have, we should be bold in our speech. I'll see people that come to Christ and apart from Christ, they were very bold about other stuff. People that were outspoken, bold and just, you know, tell you what they think and all this. And then they get saved and they become very careful, very cautious, very selective. And it's like, no, why, why are you going to be selective with the truth? You know, you you was bold about dumb stuff. Now you got something worth saying and you don't want to say nothing. Well, I don't, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt their feelings or whatever. Can I, can I beg us to not be like that, right? That we have, if, if I believe the Bible, that's the hope, the hope that we have. Guys, be, be bold about it. Tell people. We should be sharing this with other people. We should be bold in our proclamation of the gospel. Bold doesn't mean, it doesn't mean rude, because that's what some people are. Some people are rude. I'm not saying that. I'm not asking you to go be rude, you know, but we should be bold. What does that mean to be bold? It means I'm, un I'm unashamed. I'm not afraid. I'll tell you. I'll share with you. When people start speaking about something, you'll jump in a conversation and, and share with them. We should be bold in our proclamation because that's our hope. I'm clinging to that. I believe this with all my heart. This changed my life. I believe it'll change your life. I believe it can change your eternal destination. I at least got to be willing to be shared with you. Boldness. And again, if you find that it's hard to do. I told y'all last week. You know, we talked about sharing the gospel. It can be uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because it's spiritual. It's going to always be uncomfortable. But you just need to be bold. You just need to do it. You do it because it needs to be done. They need to hear it. I want them to hear it from me. I took my son. Yesterday morning, we went roller skating. We're there, and um, he, he, he was out there. I was talking to a dad, and a uh, dad was sitting there, and we're talking. And we're talking about nothing, just dumb stuff. He's talking about cars and talking about football. And, and I'm sitting there listening. And I'm, I'm trying to have a conversation because he started a conversation with me. And I'm like, I need, I'm just looking for, like, I need to turn this conversation upward, you know, because it's just it's a dumb kind. I don't really care about none. Of, I don't care about none of that stuff, you know. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm in the conversation. I'm like, okay, I'm listening. This guy's got a little daughter. And I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, any other kids? All right, yeah, yeah. You uh, married? All right, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then finally, you know, he said, hey, you got any other kids? I'm like, yeah, man. And uh, I used that. That was my segue. I'm like, well, I had one kid, you know, I was a teenager, man. And, you know, then my, I had a real life change when she was about eight months old. You know, I ended up giving my life to the Lord. And, and I started sharing, just sharing my testimony. You know, when I shared all that with him, I asked him, where, where are you at? You, you have a belief, man? You go to church, you your family and didn't. 
you know, but it was like, if, if we go, and then it, then it was, then it was like, hey, all right, man, I gotta get going, you know, um, but I still felt like, you know, I, it would have been a waste to sit there and talk about cars and football and, and Tootaloo, and then the guy is not going to heaven, he don't know the Lord, so at least I left him a nugget, boom, take that, love you, God bless you. I feel like God wants us to do more and more of that. In my heart, that's something God's like, man, just be available. Look for those opportunities. Don't, I've wasted opportunities before. I know what it feels like. I've been at moments where God, I feel like the, Lord, the Lord's prompted me to say something. And because I'm preoccupied or I'm busy, or I, I, I just want to start that right now. You know, and, I, and, and I've done that before where I just didn't. Um, and I know that every time I've ever done that, that's a fail. I lost an opportunity. God's going to use somebody else. I'm a, I missed out on my opportunity to be used in that way. Be bold. If that's something we can commit to, I would encourage you guys even today to be pray about that. Pray, God, help me to be bold. And, and bold in, in sharing with people the hope that I have. If you really have a hope, is your hope, are you, are you locked in? I mean, and when God says hope is different, right? God's hope is not like, I hope I'm going to go to heaven. That's not what he means. It's, it's a confident hope. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, if, if, if I told my kids, you know, hey, when mom gets home, she's bringing, you know, she's bringing chicken, you know, and why, their hope is I know mom's bringing it. I know it's coming. So they're sitting at home hoping I, I can't wait to get what I know is coming. It's, it's a confident expectation. That's how we hope. I don't hope like with a question mark. My hope in God is confident. I know God's going to do what he says. I know he's coming back. I know I'm going to be with him. I know that heaven will be my home. I know that Christ's forgiveness is sufficient for me. It's a confident hope. And there are people that don't have that hope. We live around people that are hopeless. They have no hope. We can share that hope with them. And um, that's why the gospel is good news. You know, we can be sharing that with people. Verse 13 now says, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look st- steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. And so many of you know that the Jews have uh, overall, the Jews have rejected Christ. Um, If you go all the way back to the Jew, all through Jewish Jewish history, they've rejected God routinely. You know, God chose him as his own chosen people, loved them, was a, you know, chose them to be his own people. And in general, they would reject them. They'd be periods of time where they walk with the Lord, but in, in, in general, they would reject him. They would, they would go after other gods. They would, they would want pagan gods like the, the people around them. And so they would incite God's anger and discipline. Then they'd be people that would repent and they'd come back to the Lord. But if you look at Israel's history, God chose them, but they haven't chosen him. And there's, there's always a remnant that says, God, we want you. But there's always a majority that says we don't. And it's been that way all the way through. It's that way to this day. In Jerusalem, they, they don't in general, they don't worship God. They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They reject him. There are a remnant of Jews that are believers, but it's a small group. It's a remnant. The majority don't. And it's amazing as you work your way all the way through their history and you work your way all the way to the end of the Bible and Revelation. Guess what? God still chooses them. Yeah. He still got a plan for them. The Bible says that at the end of at the end of the story, you get to Revelation and, you know, after the rapture of the church and during the tribulation period, they're going to be Jews that get saved by the droves. There's going to be a period of time in the middle, the midway through the tribulation period. I don't got time to break all that down, but at the midway point, it's going to click for them that we've been had. And they're going to be Jews by the thousands that get saved and come to the Lord. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And as I look at that, I, I realize that it's, it, God's using those things to teach us about his love. You know, I think in our Old Testament reading, we're in Amos, but not too long ago, we were in Hosea. And Hosea is that beautiful story where God tells the prophet Hosea, I want you to go marry 
which nobody does this. I want you to marry for a wife, a harlot. Nobody picks a harlot for a wife. That's not, nobody goes out to the strip looking for a wife, you know. But God says, Hosea, go, go out and marry a harlot. He goes out, finds Gomer, and he marries her. They come together. They have kids. As you look at the names of the kids, you know, the second kid is questionably not his. The third kid is definitely not his. She was unfaithful in the marriage. Um, after she was unfaithful in the marriage, the Bible says that she went back to her harlotry. So she was with him. She cheated on him, had kids and aren't his, and then went back to what she was doing before. Poor Hosea. Right. And then God told Hosea, chapter three, verse one. He says, go again and love a woman who is being loved by a lover. What does that mean? Hosea, go get your wife. She's with somebody else right now. Go back and get her back. He had to go buy his wife back. And I'm just thinking like, I, I read that story and I'm like, God, please don't ever make an illustration out of me. Like, please, just, I read the Bible. I believe it, you know, but poor Hosea, right? He had to go buy his wife back. And then if you, if you look at what it cost him to buy her back, her value was low. It meant that she was probably not in great condition. And there's pieces to that. But he went and bought her back. And then God said, after all that, he says, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who go after the raisin cakes of the pagan gods. But but he's choosing them. God said, I did all that to this poor man to show you guys how I love. Right? I chose you and you didn't you didn't want me. I picked you and then you were unfaithful after I picked you. And then after I picked you and you went out, I came and bought you, redeemed you, bought you back to begin a new relationship with you. Who loves like that? God loves like that. God's showing us through the Jewish people. That's how I love. So how confident can you and us? How, how confident can we be in our hope? Right. I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. Do I deserve to be saved? No. Have I earned it? No. Have I ever been good enough? No. It's a great thing. Right. I was never good enough. I was never good enough to go to heaven. God. But God says in, in, in John 15, I chose you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. That you should go forth and bear much fruit. But God, you picked, you chose me on the basis of what? I choose. I chose you. Yeah. I'm picked. I'm on the team. What that does for me is it takes the law out. It's a very liberating thing. God's like, I didn't choose you because you were doing real good. So now you got to keep doing real good to be. I just chose you because I loved you, period. I chose you. God chose me in my worst condition. Right. When God came to me to save me, I was living in sin, shacked up with a girl, wasn't my wife, had a kid out of wedlock. I drank. I was drunk every day. I sold weed, did credit card scam for money. That was my condition. And then God saved me just like that. And I'm so glad that the guy that led me to the Lord didn't try to convince me to change first because I would have said I can't do it. He didn't come and say, man, you need to stop drinking and come to the Lord. He just said, man, you need to, you're going to go to hell and I love you and you need Jesus died for you. And eventually it got through. I realized I was going to hell and I believed it and I got saved. After I got saved, it was God who started saying that you don't have to drink no more. You can put that away now. That relationship is not what I want for you. This isn't what I have for you. But it was first, it was just, you need me. You need the Lord. And as I look back, I think, man, that's that's the condition he got me. in. And I haven't I haven't changed and transformed in order to earn God's favor. God's like I, my favor was upon you in your worst condition. Right. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his love for us. Now, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. It puts believers in this great place. Right. God's choosing of us, loving of us, picking us. It didn't have anything to do with us. So we get to just respond to his great grace, his love towards us. It's liberating. Right. I'm going to do the best I can, but I know I'm, I'm in, you know, I, I told the group earlier, you know, if anybody here is, is very unathletic, you know, it would be like somebody who knows that you stink at football, let's say. And an NFL team says, hey, man, I want to put you on my roster. I pick you. 
but I'm not good. I'm not in good shape. I can't run fast. I don't even catch the ball good. I, I, I ain't like the tackle. I don't want to be hit, you know, like, but, I, but, but I pick you, you know, you, I, I, want, I want you to be on the team. I pick you. I choose you. And so in six months, you're going to be on my team and you're going to start done. You haven't earned it. You haven't worked for it. You don't really deserve it, but it's yours. Now, it would be it would make sense that that person was like, I'm, I'm there. I got it. I don't earn it. I didn't deserve it. But I'm going to be on the team. I'm going to be starting. I guess I'll start working out. You know, I'm going to do the best I can do. But, it, you know, he's not working out so that like other people are working out to earn a spot. That's what you go to the training camp. There are guys that are out there working hard to beat him out of the spot because I need to make I need to convince the coach to put me in. This guy is like, well. I'm going to do the best I can, but I'm sounds like I'm going to be in anyway. You know, I'm first line no matter what, you know, and um, that's our condition in the spiritual realm. Right. God has said, look, I've already chose you and I put you on my like, God. I'm not good enough. I know my insufficiency is in me. You never were good enough. You may never be good enough, but I'm good enough. Right. God is my sufficiency. Christ's life is applied to us. And so once again, for the believer, it should just be a humbling thing. We should be a humble, gracious, thankful group. There really shouldn't be. You know, I, I trip out when I see prideful Christians, you know, that are arrogant about like, how you arrogant? We ain't nothing like the, the deeper you get in this thing, the better you'll know that, you know. I, but I've seen arrogant ministers and arrogant Christians and proud. I'm like, you don't understand how it works. Right. You can't be proud. We should be thankful. You know, I'm just saying thank you. Right. If I couldn't pay my bills and somebody came and gave me all the money to pay my bills, could I walk to the bank with my stack of money like this, counting off money and taking pictures on Facebook, showing all my money or whatever? It's like, I couldn't even pay my bills. Someone else is doing it for me. I just, I can't be proud. I'm grateful. Thank you. But it's a different thing. It's not like I earned this. I worked for it. I made all this money. I, I was graced. I was gifted. That's what God has done for the believer. Amen. So moving on, he says now um, in verse 16, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And so even for the Jews, that there's a veil over them. But when one of them turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And so they're able to be saved. And there are Jews that are that are saved at, to this day, you know, and God's going to continue to work in the Jewish people. Verse 17. Now, the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Here's another verse that. Uh, you know, people that like kooky church take out of what the spirit of the Lord is their liberty. Some people take that verse to mean that if God's spirit is really moving in a place, you just can do whatever you want. People can jump up and down, holler, roll on the floor, clock like a chicken. You know, just it'd be all disrupted and rude. And that's not what this verse is. Mean. We're reading it in context. What is it talking about? What's the liberty? Right. Where the spirit of the God is, there's liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's li liberty from what? Freedom from sin, freedom from the law, freedom from the bondage of feeling like I got to be good enough. I'm free of all of that. I'm already good enough in Jesus. I'm free from the restrictions. I'm free from the pressure. I'm free from the, the stress. I'm free from trying to, you know, prove that I'm, I'm worthy or I'm worth it. I'm free of all of that because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's another kind of liberty the spirit brings, right? The spirit of God lives in every believer. He brings us in, into freedom, even in our own lives, freedom from the bondage of having to sin. One of the evidences, one thing that should evidence a, a spirit-filled church, a spirit-filled person, a spirit-filled group of people is there should be, we should be free from bondage. Uh, we shouldn't come, we, sh we shouldn't come together and look like an AA group. Everybody addicted? Everybody still in bondage? I mean, you know, we may have people rolling through that they ain't got it, but we can't, this, we shouldn't look like that. Everybody, ain't nobody free? Ain't nobody delivered? Ain't nobody overcame yet, you know? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There should be liberty. And here's the cool thing, right? Some of us have been liberated and some of us need to be liberated. Mm -hmm. 
Here's the cool thing God does, right? Because those that have been liberated many times are great ministers to those that need to be liberated. Those that have been know how God did it. How did you get free? You used to be addicted to that? You used to be in bondage to that? How did you do it, right? And you get to share with them how you didn't do it, how God did it. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. In this book, Paul details many different ways that he suffered for the sake of Christ. It can be painful to hear about these trials, but it's a reminder that following Jesus comes at a personal cost. What are some ways that you've chosen Jesus above other things? Do you think it's worth it? Paul knew it was well worth the pain and hardship that was brought on because he had a bigger picture in sight of eternity. Do you have the same outlook when you go through difficult trials? We hope you continue to learn more from this book written to the Corinthians. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, CalvaryEnglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryEnglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryEnglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as a part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the very first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on The Transforming Word.